Chris Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with a, another super live podcast, and we certainly appreciate you guys tuning in. You guys are the best audience in the world, and I'm not kidding, even though I'm using someone else's best uh, quote. <laughs> so anyway, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Be sure to refer the show to your friends, neighbors, relatives, dogs, cats, mistresses, pool boys. Hey, get everybody to listen to the show. It's a whole thing, really, when it comes down to it. Play it for your animals. You know, dogs and cats, they got nothing better to do, but listen to podcasts from the Chris Voss Show. Go to Google Play, iTunes, go to youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss, and subscribe. Hit that bell notification button like you hear everyone say it doing. Because you don't want to miss anything. You'll get FOMO. It's really awful. FOMO is a horrible thing. And you'll get to the end of your life and go, God, I wish I would have listened to more Chris Voss podcasts. <laughs> anyway, I have a wonderful guest, Mike Elgin, here today with us. And Mike is a journalist who travels around the world. He recently released his book. We'll get into that. But he writes a popular weekly column for Computer World. He contributes a news and analysis for Fast Company and Security Intelligence, and he writes special features, columns, and think pieces for a variety of publications. He's also the newly minted author of Gastronomad, uh, who uh, is the art of living everywhere and eating everything. Welcome to the show, Mike. How are you doing, bud? I'm doing great. Thanks, Chris. I think we've been trying to do this for about six years. <laughs> six years. I've always wanted to have you on the show because you're one of the most interesting people that I follow on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, you post all these great photos of food just all over the world in these places that you're visiting through your nomadic travels that you've written about in your book. And, and uh, so there's just beautiful scenery, beautiful food. And then I see your uh, cute pictures of you and your family and your, I believe your granddaughter, Princess yes, Squishy my, Face. My granddaughter, Princess Squishy Face. Yes, she is, uh, she is uh, my one and only granddaughter and she is adorable. And you know, Mike, I'm not a real kid person, but I, I, anytime I see you talking about Princess Squishy Face and the picture you post, it, it does kind of, it does kind of get to me where I'm. We'd like, be happy oh, to know that she is actually a big dog person. She just oh, dog so cool. She know. she and she does have. She's got these little squishy cheeks. So I I totally see what you mean. <laughs> yeah, got them. And and I love how you spend time and you travel the world and and and, and your family and everything else. So uh, give us some quick plugs where people can look you up and follow you on the internet and in the interwebs, uh, so they can do that through that show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my website is elgin.com, e-l-g-a-n.com. But if you want to zip through all the, the 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 stuff and just check out my stuff, subscribe to my RSS feeds and my podcasts, all that kind of stuff, just go to elgin.com/slash/everything. And that is everything. And it's a lot, I do a lot of different stuff. So if you want to just go check it all out, that's the that's the most direct way to get to that stuff. You are a master of many trades. Um, the other thing is too is your Instagram and your Facebook is a nice respite from everything else that's on Facebook, where there just seems to be so much contention and everything else. And you just have this beautiful, peaceful thread of yeah. you know beautiful pictures, great food, cute babies, and. The world is the world is wonderful again. Yeah, I, I, I save all the vitriol for Twitter because you know, every every <laughs> I guess I better watch your Twitter more and find out the other <laughs> side of you, the dark side of mine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I reserve like things like political commentary and like all that kind of stuff that nobody wants to hear about for Twitter, and then Facebook is yeah, it's like family stuff and Google Plus. Still, I'm on still on Google Plus, and uh, but we got I got a you know bunch of blogs. So yeah. So I think me, and I, I think I can speak for a lot of people that see your pictures on Facebook, we are innately jealous of your lifestyle. That's why I do it, Chris. 
I, I, this envy, I try to create envy in the world. No, that's not. That's not. <laughs> oh, show them this and they can wish they were on the French Riviera. No, I mean, you take beautiful pictures of food. Uh, I, I think I've seen you and your wife cooking uh, and, and you guys are really good at preparing meals. And you guys actually did inspire me when I went through my weight loss at okay. actually putting in the care and time to prepare a good meal and a healthy meal when it comes down to that. And so I've seen some of that and that's always been inspiring as well. Yeah, just, just for the record though, um, my wife and I have this division of labor. She makes the food and I eat the food. So we, mm. we, all, we all pitch in and do our part. She's literally the greatest maker of food in the world. I mean, I've seen it. It's really beautiful. I mean, I've seen it. And I'm just gone like, wow. Everything I know about really? food, I learned from her basically. So I just I totally lucked out. In that yeah. Day. I need to get me a better half. Only the, my only problem is is I don't really need a better half. I need like just somebody who's just better than me because there's there's I'm not the best, so I'm not the better. I don't know where I'm going with that. Let's just let's scrap that. Um, <laughs> when you say better half, I'm not I'm not even sure I make the bet better part or the best part. So I just need somebody who is me and whatever. I'm just gonna leave that word without the beard. Exactly. Yeah. I'm actually going with this. Uh, I'm actually toying with this beard thing. I'm, I'm going full Orson Welles. Okay. Yeah. I'm just giving up. I, I'm, I'm never getting laid again, obviously, with this beard. I'm just giving up pretty much. <laughs> I'm 50. It's done. <laughs> so, let, let me, let me t if I may, I, let me tell you, uh, actually, because this is, um, I think this is something that, that, that uh, your listeners will be curious to hear about how I got into living nomadic. So I do live nomadically. I'm a nomad. Uh, live, uh, my wife and I live all over the world. And uh, kind of got into it sort of kind of by accident. Back in 2006, we're talking 12 years ago, um, my, kids, um, my kids are grown up now. But back then, um, we decided to go on a family vacation. We decided to go to, we wanted to check out Mayan ruins and go to Central America and Southern Mexico and check out pyramids and all these different Mayan sites. We figured, well, that's going to take us a while because it takes a while to get from one to the other. And there's so many of them down there. So we figured we could be down there for about six weeks. And, and I'm like, I can't, you know, I can't take six weeks off. Um, uh, and then I, it, it basically occurred to me, you know, I, I'm a writer and, you know, I do various things. I was a consultant at the time as well. And it's like, what if, if I'm lucky, maybe I can find enough Wi-Fi Cause this is, you know, again, 2006, it wasn't yeah. far less ubiquitous there than it is now. But, um, and then I thought, you know, but what I'll do is I'll do the, I'll do the right thing. I'm going to tell my editors what's happening so they understand. And then after thinking about it a while, I thought, you know what, this is actually a really interesting experience experiment. I want to not tell anyone and see if anyone can tell, see if there's any difference. Cause you know, and, and so that's exactly what I did. I went down there. I went scrounging for Wi-Fi connections. I submitted all my columns. I did all my stuff uh, and nobody knew. I was on conference calls. I, I called sources. I, I did all the journalist stuff. It was a little bit harder. It took a little bit longer, uh, mainly because back then the only Wi-Fi was in hotels. And back then the, the, the Wi-Fi was scarce, but passwords were even scarcer. So you could just go up to next next door to a hotel uh, in Guatemala somewhere and just see the Wi-Fi network is the only one and then log on, no password. And just, you know, and that was that was fairly common. So um, it worked and I was like, wait, wow, this is amazing. Um, and so 
I, I, we started doing a little bit more and a little bit more. And next thing you know, we were in Greece for like uh, more than a year. I think it was like a year and a half or something like that. In Greece, Cuba, a bunch of other places. We started doing this. So I've been doing this for 12 years, except for the two years where I was working at Twit. Um, it was a desk job. So I was at Twit for two years. But besides that, the, the remaining 10 years, I've been on and off nomadically. We've done it all. So we've for, for many years, we had no house at all. Now we have... Now we kind of we have this. I write about it in the book, but we have like a, a kind of share an apartment with with my son, and and when we're here, like we live our stuff here, and that's the main thing. It's the storage, um, and that's what we do. So I'm leaving Tuesday. I'm right now I'm in Silicon Valley, but uh, Tuesday I go back to Europe. We're going to be there for a couple months, and uh, I got to say it's just the greatest lifestyle ever. It's just the most wonderful thing ever, and I recommend yeah. everybody check it out. Yeah, and you've you've encapsulated that in your new book, and I'm sure that people can get that on Amazon as well. Yes. Um, and 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 uh, yeah, I guess if you want to, I'm meeting more and more people. We've had some people on the podcast that are doing the nomadic life. They're living out of uh, vans and they're traveling around and and seeing the world, seeing the nation. Um, and I've been really jealous of that, especially as a photographer. Yeah. Uh, for there was a while, several years back, where I I bought all my really nice cameras and lenses. And I would go on day jaunts to go shoot stuff, sometimes week on jaunts. And I just, sometimes I just go up PCH1 uh, in California and just shoot up the beach or I go down to Venice and shoot. Right. And I, I, I really got to a point where I'm like, you know, I should just really maybe live out of an RV, get an RV and just travel. And at the time, my two puppies were both 15 and 16 and really on the downslopes of their, their age. And yeah. with arthritis and everything, they were just not going to travel well. And so I kind of put that off and and maybe someday I'll get back into that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard because, you know, it's the old George Carlin thing, you know, where you have so much stuff. And then once you get right. stuff, you got to get stuff to put your stuff in to get more stuff. And Did then you, you know get more stuff. And you, get, you, know? you know that I quote that in my book? Do you really? That's, whole a, routine. Great, that's a great yeah. bit. Is it, that's exactly, that's exactly, he encapsulated it perfectly. And that's exactly right. Hey, by the way, did you ever read a book called Travels with Charlie? No. I believe it was by John Steinbeck. And it was later in his career, and it was during the 60s, he took off in an RV with his poodle, Charlie. And he his, his uh, observation was that if you have a dog with you, you will always make friends because that dog will go out and run up to people and like find other dogs, find other people, and everybody loves dogs you know and it's so, so it's like you end up in a conversation and he he referred to charlie as his ambassador <laughs> and, ambassador dog yeah and he, he traveled around and and by the way you, you mentioned about driving around the u.s in an rv this is actually where i first heard about a nomadic existence i don't recall his name but years ago i think it was during the 90s actually mm-hmm. there was another tech writer who uh was also into hang gliding i think it was and so he drove around the country looking for places to hang glide and uh, worked where he could. I mean, I don't know. I have no idea how he did this in the 90s, but somehow he figured out, I think he had some super expensive connection, satellite connection or something from his RV. I don't know how he did it, but he made a living uh, doing what he really wanted to do, which was travel around and hang glide to new places. And, you know, everybody's got their nirvana. Everybody's got their their perfect um, situation. And the economics of it are something that people don't really understand. Um, people always think that, you know, I must, I must have some, some money from somewhere. I mean, I'm a journalist, so where is that coming from? Uh, but, but the reality is that you spend, you spend a little bit more on 
certain obvious things like airfare and stuff like that in my case, because I tend to go abroad. And then you spend a lot less on other things. And what you don't do, if you go on vacation, people think that traveling all the time is expensive because they know that when they go on a vacation, it's super expensive. But on a vacation, <clears throat> two things are happening. First of all, all your costs are duplicated. While you're paying for shelter in a hotel on some sunny shore somewhere, you're still paying for your shelter back home that you're not using. While you're paying for transportation and taxis and buses and all that stuff, you're still paying for your car insurance and all that stuff back home. You're paying double for everything. And secondly, you're paying a, what I call a vacation tax because hotels are way more expensive than other forms of shelter. Uh, all the forms of transportation, all the food, restaurant food is way more expensive than the food if you go to the store and all that stuff. So, so it's jacked up prices and it's duplicated. So when you live nomadically, you stay in an Airbnb, you go shopping in a regular grocery store, you cook most of your own food. And, and so your, your costs are actually much lower because most of the places you're going to go are going to be cheaper. So the, I've, I've lived in places, multiple places where we paid 500 bucks a month for rent. Well, we've also paid a lot more than that. But like you can just choose if you want to go to an inexpensive place, you're starting a new business, you, you want to have free money freed up, you can go to like, you know, you can go to Ecuador or you can go to any number of, uh, you know, Chiang Mai is where almost everybody goes because the, the, the lifestyle is very good in Chiang Mai and the cost of living is very low. And so people want to start business, they go there and they're not really nomadic. They just are expats. They go and live in Chiang Mai. But whatever your nirvana is, you can do it. You can you can figure out how to do it and do it. And it's a, it's a fantastic lifestyle. So in your book, do you out, you I suppose you outline the strategies of of uh, how to do this, the different things you do. Do you usually try and target maybe countries where the currency trade off is better, considering the dollar or something of that? Not really. Um, the, the there's a far greater um, uh, cost benefit cost um, savings in terms of how you choose where to live, how you choose how to live, all that kind of stuff than than an exchange rate. So. Um, for the most part, we don't really pay that much attention to it. We, we go to places we really want to go to. M recent example, um, my wife decided that she was fascinated by the food and wine culture in Georgia, the country. And um, was like, okay, let's go live in Georgia. So we basically lived in Georgia for six months. We didn't even think about the exchange rate or whatever. It turned out to be very advantageous because the cost of living in Georgia is pretty low, actually. Um, but then we went to you know France, where it's pretty high, and... and uh, we spend a lot of time in northern Italy where the cost of living, yeah, it's not low, it's not high, it's, you know, it's fairly comparable. Um, and so, no, we don't pay that much attention to it. It's uh, you win some, you lose some. Like sometimes we go to very expensive places and sometimes we go to very cheap places and it kind of, in the end, it, 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 it ends up working out fine. And I guess Airbnb is a big proponent uh, that they've really... They've really democratized hoteling and stuff like that, where uh, there's a lot of opportunities, a lot of ability to shop around for the best prices and, and what you kind of want right. um, and, and what uh, sort of atmosphere or location you're looking for. Yeah. Well, and, and I have, uh, you know, if people are unfamiliar with Airbnb, there's actually a lot of skill involved in using Airbnb correctly. And there's a lot of information people don't realize about Airbnb. For example, they don't really show you everything. You think you go to an area and you're like, oh, I want to live in the city. Well, show me all the things. But well, they don't show you all of them. Um, if, if, they sh if they gave you exactly what you wanted, which was like, here are all the places in this city ranked from best to worst, you'd have 500 people want the best place. Uh, and then nobody would want the bottom two thirds. And so they can't have that. They want to find one place for every you know guest, for every host, host for every guest. And so they fudge around with the data 
and kind of like it's sort of the equivalent of what Facebook does with your newsfeed. They don't show you <clears throat> all the things. They just they use algorithms and stuff like that to show you some of them. So you think you're getting all of them, but you're not even getting the majority. And so I talk about how to get around that. I also one of my favorite tips actually uh, for finding a place to live in. I recommend that every single person do this like right now or immediately after the show because it's super, super fun to do. But do it, and it's kind of an obvious thing once you do it. So, I, so you know the site operator for Google, right? So site colon xyz.com. Well, go to site colon airbnb.com, right? Just search for that and then go to the Google image search and then put something in front of that for the search. Treehouse, ocean view, uh, dog friendly, whatever it is, Whatever you're searching, whatever you think you want to check, a castle, you know, whatever you want to check out, and then site colon airbnb.com, and you just browse photos. You're like, that's where I want to live. Look at that castle. Look at that dog-friendly castle. Click on it, and it takes you right into Airbnb, and you're looking at the listing. That's that's the way to do it, because let's face it. You're going to pick this place based on what it looks like in the pictures. So you might as well start with the pictures. And that's true nomadic. I, you know, I mean, you guys are living a life of a dream where you guys go, ah, let's go live in a treehouse house. Or, yeah. you know, I mean, that's brilliant what you've come up with and yeah. being able to nail down all sorts of different experiences. Because I'm, I'm a person who likes different things. That's yeah. part of the reason I'm single. Um, and um, and so, you know, being able to find what you want and, yeah. and be, you know, let's try this for fun. See what that's like. And we've done a lot of that. We've we've gone places a day after we decided to go there. Uh, sometimes we plan, you know, usually we plan way ahead. You can save a fortune if you, you know, if you're planning way ahead. Um, and then you, you know, you 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 can you can see this is another part of the economics. If you if you let's say you wanted to go on a vacation uh, and you wanted to go to let's say you want to go to Italy, right? Um, and you know, like, oh, my vacation is like between Christmas and New Year's. Right? So you go and you search for the airfare, you search for an Airbnb, and it's, you're locked into that date. Well, you just say, and you don't really think about that. But let's say you want to go to Italy, you want to go to France, you, you want to go to Croatia, you want to go to China, and you want to go to Puerto Rico. Right? You can fudge the timing on all that stuff for maximum advantage and you basically end up paying half for everything based on when you go. So, for example, you go to Google Flights. And you're like, oh, you know, I want to go to China, and you try try going to China in a month. Try to try going to China in nine months. Try going to China like, and and you fudge it. And you notice that the airfares are just like, you know, sometimes they're triple based on just the date you pick, right? And you can do that with every place you go and mix and match. And you know, one example is one time. Um, we were going to go live in the south of France for a few months and we were going to live in Nice and we're going to live in Marseille and we're going to live in Aix-en-Provence and all this kind of stuff. And so we had it all scheduled and, you know, we had it all set. And then we realized the place in Nice was half the price if we went later. Right. So, um, so we just switched the dates on the Aix-en-Provence and Nice and we ended up saving like 500 bucks or something like that. So, you know, it's, you, you, you when you're nomadic, you can, you can, just sort of right size the, the timing, everything. It sounds like you need to open your own travel agency, Mike. <laughs> you know, the truth is, my wife would do that, uh, but she's already got her too many businesses already. But yeah, yeah. she, like, you know, she's really the ninja at, at this travel, uh, at the scheduling and travel and stuff like that. 
mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's all in the book. And um, and um, I recommend if people are interested in travel of any kind, you know, check out the book just for that. And uh, you know, it, it, there's so many tips in there about Airbnb, getting air travel, all that kind of stuff. Not to just shamelessly pitch the book, but it's it's a lot. There's a lot of savings if you really want to um, make it make travel affordable. This is uh, there's a lot of great tips in there. Well, based upon what I've seen, I mean, you, you've definitely mastered the tips and tricks of traveling the world and, and uh, you know, doing it inexpensively to where you're not getting, you know, paying these top dollar prices. And uh, yeah, definitely planning ahead makes a difference in the thing. Maybe I should have been a flight attendant. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, being able to do what you do is just amazing. And I, I think it's great you put in the book because I think a lot of us has just sat around and been like, how freaking rich is Mike? I- Right. Exactly. And in general, like I actually calculated it once and in general, I, what I realized is that, um, like I, I could make a lot more money, uh, if I was like went to New York city and worked in a magazine or something like that. And I could work as an editor and stuff. I've worked uh, as an editor before and, and you know, you can just make a ton more money. Um, LA, New York city, San Francisco, you can, I, I could make a fortune, but I figure that living nomadically, my, income is probably half of what it would be and my cost of living is about a third of what it would be living in an expensive place like new york city or san francisco mm-hmm. so um i come out way ahead even though the the economics are completely shifted um, yeah. and so you know it's a it's a trade-off and it, it takes some time and some tweaking but uh you know people have to decide how much some people are just homebodies right yeah you're one of those people then no don't do this yeah <laughs> You know, it, it really does come down to quality of life and how much money you have left over at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I lived a life at one point where I had uh, places uh, where I was living where our offices were in Utah, Vegas, and Denver. Mm-hmm. And and it was just uh, a nightmare of, uh, of trying to deal with it all and schedule it all. And, of course, I was having to replicate my life. You know, I'm like, oh, we got to do the same silverware at each place. Right. And uh, it just, it, it just, I was unhappy as I could, as I've ever been in my life. Uh, and most people would think you'd be really happy at that point. And it, it was not. And moving back to a much simpler life um, where I didn't have, you know, multiple cars at airports parked all the time and, and all the stupid crap that went to support that sort of lifestyle, yeah. just having a much more simpler life and more money left over at the end of the day, yeah. you know, it, it comes down to that fight club thing, the, the things you own end up owning you, which mm-hmm. probably goes back to the George Carlin. Uh, yeah. We need more stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, I think those two things, the fight club line and the George Carlin thing made me really realize, you know, you got to get rid of stuff. And if you get rid of, if you're, if you're living on the road, I mean, you're, you're think you think how much your housing expense costs to live in a home. Yeah. And then you got all your utilities that you pay. And I mean, it's a major expense uh, or portion of everyone's paychecks when it comes down to what you pay for your housing. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got a lot of friends like you do that live in San Francisco mm-hmm. and I keep trying to, you know, I keep telling them, Hey, come to Vegas. I yeah. mean, you can, you can lit, you can buy a mansion here, like yeah. literally a mansion for, for your little two bedroom home in San Francisco. It, 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 the the uh, job situation is, is amazing. All yeah. I mean, for what you can save, you can fly, because it's so cheap to fly out of McCarran, right. flying it out from SFO if you want to go to work. You know, you can, you can right. fly, and the commute's probably the same when it comes to hours to get to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. then you, 
you come here, you can live in a mansion. I think Robert, Robert Scoble, I was trying to co get him to move down here with Maryam. And I guess Maryam really wants to go to SoCal because, because uh, there's a lot, they have a lot of family and so they can have uh, mm -hmm. support with the kids and stuff down there. Yeah. Um, but I was trying to get him to move here and I looked up some of the homes of what they were looking for price wise monthly. And I'm like, you can live in a mansion here in Vegas. But yeah, when you look at what your costs are, uh, that's what I did. I looked at an RV uh, or even like a camper van that I could escape on like weekend jaunts or maybe take a week off a month and, and just yeah. go on a shooting thing, take the dogs and just go shoot. And, and I like to wander. Like, like when I travel, I just like to, I like to look for offbeat things or offbeat buildings or right. old historic stuff or stuff that's, you know, I just like to wander around and go, wait, what's over there? Go over there. Let's go over there and poke around and see if there's any, see yeah. if there's any great photographs. You know, everyone always goes to the, the same places. Like, let's go to the, you know, Zion National Park, and obviously you're gonna get great shots there. That's a given. But everybody's seen that stuff, and uh, so sometimes I like to just go find offbeat stuff that that uh, you're not gonna do. And I imagine you guys have a lot of fun with that. That you just yeah. there's a lot of discovery you guys go through when you're wandering. Absolutely. I mean, what we like to do is we like to be um, what we call temporary locals. So we're not we're not visitors per se. We we'll just live there, and then once we're living there, we walk in around just just serendipity, discovering things and stuff like that. But just one little quick thing, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're talking about uh, the cost of things and stuff like that. But and I've got a little meditation on this in in the book. But basically, my theory about why people buy things. Uh, why do people go to the movies? Why do people read novels? Right? Why do people want the latest phone? Um, my theory is that we are, our minds are so active and we, we're inherently bored with things and we want something new. So there's, I call it the novelty tax. So you, you basically, you know, you, you, you want to try some new food. So you want to go to a Indian restaurant and stuff like that because you can't get that kind of food in your kitchen or whatever or you want to go to a movie you don't want to see the movie you saw last weekend I mean sometimes the movie's so great you want to see it again but that's different normally you want to see like I want to see a movie because I haven't seen it I want a new movie and during the movie I want to forget it's a movie and I want to sort of be in the movie like as if I'm experiencing somebody else's life this is why we read novels this is what uh, fiction is, is largely about what storytelling is about when you live nomadically especially if you live in an Airbnb you essentially everything is always new you don't need to buy anything extra in, in order to relieve that boredom with the same old same old nothing is ever the same it's always new and icing on the cake in Airbnb you're basically living in someone else's house you're living in somebody else's neighborhood you're living in somebody else's country and you're kind of living the life of somebody else in a way. It feels like that. Like you, you, we, uh, we go live in northern Italy. We're going back there Tuesday, like I said. And it's like we're Italian when we're there. We're locals. We have all these friends. We have a network of friends there. We, you know, we eat the Italian food. We like do all this stuff. And it's like, and then we shift gears and we go to we go to Turkey and we do that. You know, and and so it, it's this is one of the reasons why the costs. This is kind of a a weird idea that most people don't think about, but this is one of the reasons why it costs less. You don't have to buy stuff to get new stuff. Everything is always new automatically and you don't have to buy anything to get it. You just have to be there somewhere else. 
And has social media made it easier to network? Because I, I see you like you're out to dinners or you're over at someone's house having dinner with them in, in some locale. And I've always thought that was really fun to go to European countries because I always see how they, they turn meals into like um, a social setting. And it, it's it's just a, like a it's like it's a whole sort of meeting hangout sort of thing instead of yeah. just let's shove some food in our face and go watch a movie. Right. It's a, it's the most curious thing because I, I I'm I'm a uh a bit of a, you know, I, I, I pretty, I'm not a social, social type person, but in Europe um, and in some other countries, I become one because the culture is so amenable. These dinners, uh, I mean, we're talking five, six, seven, eight hour dinners uh, that go on to two in the morning and it's the bottles of wine keep going. And it's like, and it's just, it's just the greatest thing in the world. You know, interesting people, interesting conversation, fantastic food. Everybody talks about food. You know, it's like, at least in the the friends that that we have made, uh, everybody talks about food, almost exclusively, <laughs> and uh, it's just uh, it's a it's a it's a great lifestyle. But it always varies, you know. It's always different. And and the interesting thing is that food is is isn't about food really. It's it's really about that social interaction. It's about culture and history and all those things. When we were in Morocco uh, last year, um, we we were there. Was it last year? I think it was last year. Um, we were there during Ramadan which as a wine drinker was a huge mistake, let me tell you. But, uh, it turned out to be really great anyway. And, you know, we, we lived in a, we, we, we literally lived in a 600 year old Riyadh, which was just wow. in Fez. And uh, we made friends and one of our friends is like, hey, it's the last night of Ramadan. My mother wants you to come over to our house and you just have Ramadan with us. And there's, I guess, I guess we'd had two Ramadan meals, but you know, last a month and they, they what they do is they fast all day and then when the sun goes down when it's official sundown they they have iftar which is the breaking of the of the daily fast and it's a big elaborate meal with special foods and special desserts and all this kind of stuff and it's everybody's happy because they finally get to eat because they're grumpy all day they don't you know they don't drink water nothing all day wow. yeah no water. yeah we were actually during this trip we went to and it was during ramadan we went to the Sahara desert and we took some camels out in the middle of the desert and the, the Berbers who are with us were not drinking water all day. Oh, my God. We're in the direct sun, in this, surrounded by nothing but sand. And, man, were they happy when Ramadan came here. Anyway, so we went to this, this, this friend's house. And we're not Muslim. They don't care. It's like, it was like food. It was like, it was like a, you know, and, and they were happy. They were so happy to share their culture with us and, and 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 we were so happy that they were sharing their culture with us and it was just everybody was so happy and then we we get we experienced that a lot and and this is really this is why my book is called gastronomad because i actually said you know i i people are like why do you do it well why do you do it exactly well i like to travel well why do you like to travel exactly and it's like if you keep peeling away the, that onion you get to the inescapable occlusion you do it for the food that's why you travel. That's why. You, that's why I've rearranged my entire life. I've tr changed the trajectory of my career. I've, I've severed. I mean, that's why you do it. It's for the food. And I think I think we love collecting experiences. I mean, you mentioned that earlier. That's what we do when we see movies, when we read books, when we uh, watch TV shows. We're looking for. We're looking for experiences. Like you say, we get bored. One of my favorite people to watch is Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Um, when I grow up, I want to be Anthony Bourdain, especially yeah. when he's being skinny. Um, 
but watching him go around the world and meet people, and this is one of the reasons I love my podcast, because I love meeting different people. I love meeting, getting crawling into their skin, trying to find out what motivates them, what 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 what's brought them there and where they're going and and what makes them tick and the differences of of just this, this thing. I, I've always had this, I've always been a people watcher. Mm-hmm. And so my podcast has worked really well because I really enjoy, well, I enjoy for the most part. There are some guests that I, I didn't enjoy, but <laughs> you are the exception. Uh, I've, I'm loving you. Um, but, uh, you know, I think we I think we all want those different things and, and being able to uh, enjoy just wonderful food and different cultures mm-hmm. and experiences. Uh, I think that just really expands your mindset. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And just, yeah, just it, it just uh, expands your mindset, gets you to see the world, and and probably brings us better to a one world thing where we all understand that we're all just humans instead of you know people in different countries going, we hate you. Yeah, you know that sounds that sounds uh, kind of uh, cliche, um, but the reality is that that is in fact the reality. Like you, there's there there has been research that has shown that the more foreign travel you do, the more your trust of foreigners goes up. And, and, and it's a very simple reason for that, which is that you actually realize how much everyone has in common. And, you know, it, it actually, you don't, you know, it's human nature to, to sort of like be wary of other cultures. You know, it's, it, people, it's a source of guilt and shame or, or ostr- ostracization or any number of things in our culture to, to have uh, bits of bigotry or, you know, whatever. And, and, you know, in polite society, you try to mask them, hide them, suppress them, get rid of them, overcome them. You try to do all that stuff, and that's the right thing to do. It takes it, it takes a lot of effort. But in fact, if you do live in multiple countries all over the world, it takes a few years, but you just get to the point where you can't see other people as them. You just don't see it anymore. Yeah. It, it just evaporates, and you, you just you don't that us and them thing is just gone. Uh, and, uh, and, and for that reason, uh, you know, that's one of the, one of the great uh, fringe benefits benefits of, uh, of living uh, nomadically. I just, you know, I, I just see everyone, I see people differently and uh, than I used to and uh, see them, you know, I just, the, the distinction is gone, you know? Yeah. I mean, why do people do what they do and how we do it? And I think, I think one of the greatest things about humanity is, is the, the, the different, just all the differences between us. We're all human. You cut us open. We all bleed the same. We're all red on the inside. But, you know, we we have these complex things that we build with different cultures, different peoples, different places in the world, different, uh, uh, you, know, uh, you know, French sort of areas and, and the way they do things, the habits they have and the, and the um, traditions they have. That's what I'm looking for. And then, you know, you go to other places, they have different traditions. I remember one time I, I, I think I had uh, a Russian friend over to my house or something, or maybe it was my office. And they have some sort of thing in Russia about crossing the threshold of the door or something, or I think it was shaking hands across the threshold. I don't remember exactly, but there was something that they had a tradition of. And Instead of thinking me thinking it was stupid, I'm like, because I didn't think of, I'm like, well, that's a little silly. But but then I realized, well, that's kind of that's their tradition. Yeah. And that's kind of interesting. Like, why do they have that? Right. And and I've been lucky in my life where I've been a people watcher and, and been curious about people, their psychologies, what they do, why they do it, how they got there. Mm-hmm. Uh part of it's, you know, 
trying to heal my own experience as a flawed human being mm-hmm. um, at, you know, my journey and trying to figure out what I'm doing and why I'm here. I mean, I just turned 50 and came to some new epiphanies that I realized, wow, I wish I'd come to these sooner, but I'm glad I'm finally here. But it, it, I'm, I'm learning that the older I get, the less I know. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. I feel the same way. And uh, what, one of the epiphanies that I've had is that, um, you know, as Americans, we, we, we grow up and we're taught to believe that we've got it figured out better than anyone else. Like, you know, the, the American way is, is, is the best way to do things and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, and the United States, in fact, is amazing. I mean, it really is. Um, but anywhere you go in the world and you see the way people do things, um, you realize that, that in 99% of the cases, the way people do things is the very best way to do, to, to, to do what they're trying to do based on the resources, the climate, the history, the re- you know, all that stuff, that you will not come up with a better way to do things than, than people for where they are. And it, it's just a, a testament to the, to the innate genius of humanity um, that, that everyone everywhere figures out, every, by that I mean over the centuries, peoples in general, figure out how to uh, build the best life they can based on their resources and everything else. And there's a million different ways to do everything. And people always end up with the best one. That's why whenever you go somewhere, you live like the locals because there's no better way to to live in that place. And uh, it's just really amazing to see how people do things. It's just uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah. Cause I get sick of me. I get sick of me a lot. Yeah. And, I, and I, and one of the reasons I, I have been nomadic and single is because I like doing different things. I'll go do photography for several years and then I'll solve the cameras and, and then I'll go wander off and do something else. And then yeah. I'll do something else. My whole life has been these projects and, mm-hmm. and, and, and things that I want to take and do and the freedom that I want to have to do them where I don't have to answer to anybody. But being able to being able to do that has has made my life pretty interesting. I've done some things that a lot of people uh, haven't been able to do in life, or probably never will, and probably fantasize to do. And and I may have fantasies about living their lives or living maybe more of a normal uh, life. I mean, sometimes I sit around and go, maybe I should get married and settle down, or you know what? Who knows? But that's the beauty of life. It's it's this catalog of experiences and and traditions and, and different people in different settings and different worlds and being able to open your eyes to that and experience it. And of course the food, (laughs) but you know, I remember the line from, it was a a thing that really got me thinking about it was a line from Sting song. Uh, It was about the Russians. I can't remember the title of the song exactly, but he makes a comment in it. And you and I probably grew up in the area where we were hiding under our little wooden desks in the hopes that a nuclear bomb from Russia would, that you know the wooden desk would save us right. um and you know they were the great evil ussr uh but there was a line in his song that he said he said you know the russians are like us mm-hmm. they they have children their parents they want their kids to grow up and do well they want to make enough money to provide for their children their future put food on the table they're the same human beings that we are and that's really what you experience in the world. And when I watch Anthony Bourdain or like your photos, that's what I'm seeing. I'm like, it's the human experience of going out and hanging out with other humans. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I mean, I really love the, the French lifestyle, the, you know, where they go out every day and they, they eat fresh food. I use some of that context 
in for me losing weight. I started yeah. going eat fresh food and buying my produce every day at the store. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and, and then you go, well, well, that's probably why they're healthier than we are over here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think so. And, and that actually is a nice segue. Uh, we were talking about this a little bit before uh, you, 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 we started the show. Um, so one of our projects, my wife invented a diet called the Spartan diet, um, like something like uh, probably 10 years ago, and she's been developing it ever since. And it is very much about, it's, it's obsessed with the idea that um, the, the cause of all of, of, of all of our diet related things are about, not about quantity, we focus too much on quantity or types of food, it should be low fat, or no, it's high fat, now it's supposed to be low sugar, that, all that kind of stuff. And it's the quality of food, uh, you know, the, the idea of this diet is this the quality of food that matters far more than anything else. Quantity is important, also balance, but freshness, like you were saying, uh, the, the sort of description. So I guess the best way to describe the Spartan diet is that it's like a super hardcore Mediterranean diet. Uh, and uh, it's, mm. it's just the most brilliant thing. So we, you know, we often go and, and uh, overindulge in lots of food because if it's, if the food is special, right? If the, if the food is special in some way or another, because it's with special people or it's a special event or the food itself is special, we don't worry too much about the, you know, overindulging, you know, we're not going to go somewhere like, Oh, we don't eat that. We never say that. Right. But then when, when we're not confronted with uh, a, a scenario where it's special, then we go, we right back on the Spartan diet. And, and so, it, it lets us stay super healthy. It le- it helps us, you know, we can overindulge in say wine or whatever, but we never become alcoholics because unless there's some good reason, we're like not drinking anything. So we're like, say it's a great thing. I mean, you will go off it, but it's a great thing to come back to. And um, it's just fantastic. You want to go to SpartanDiet.org and check it out. We get, it's a, there's a great blog there with lots of information and the book is going to be coming out uh, uh, sometime within the next year or so. Cool. And what's the website again for that? SpartanDiet.org. Cool. Yeah. Cool. I'll have to check it out. So does it deal with just the ingredients that are in the food when you say quality food? Very much so. So it's it, the thing about the Spartan diet is that it is very unlike most diets. It's not simple to describe. It's actually fairly complex. But but to sort of summarize how, how the diet works, it's very hardcore about food quality, like very hardcore about food quality. So it, it, so that every all ty- every ingredient you could possibly cook with, for example, exists on a spectrum. So you're gonna you're gonna cook with some sort of cooking fat, okay? So the very lowest quality might be some 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 kind of nasty industrial trans fat, you know, or some palm oil or something like that. And it goes all the way up the spectrum to the very highest quality is probably like really fresh extra virgin olive oil, right? And so you really want to s- obsess about that. And, and then you get to the point of sugar. Well, there's lots of sugar that's really bad. For, and then you can go all the way up to the very healthiest kind of sugar, which is just like fresh fruit or something like that. Or if you want a, a sort of an extracted sugar, maybe dates or, you know, uh, raw honey or something like that. Very high quality raw honey. So you keep pushing the food quality up the spectrum. And you and uh, there's a lot of stuff about fish and the health qualities of fish. There's a lot of emphasis on nuts and, and which are the healthiest kinds of nuts and how to get the really good kind and how to get, uh, how, where do you get raw nuts? Like in California, for example, people don't know that they're essentially illegal in the stores. When you go and you get raw nuts in the grocery store, they are not raw. And wow. anyway, there's a million little things like that, that, that my wife is like an expert at and grapples with. 
And what you find is that when you're maximizing the quality of the food, things like weight loss happen almost automatically. Things like, um, you know, all kinds of wonderful things happen to your health. And really the, the real reason uh, for the health crisis that almost everybody is suffering from is that the, the, the quality of our food is crap, basically. Uh, yeah. And it is the low quality of the food that's get, killing us, even though it, 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 we're always being told that it's the quantity or the type yeah. of food. It's the quality of the food. It's very low quality food, and it's not biologically compatible with the human body. Yeah, I, I need to get, I'm going to have to check that out because I need to get back on track after, after, uh, a uh, year and a half. I, I lost, uh, I mean, uh, I, I can attest to what you were saying because mm-hmm. I went from just eating very poorly um, and to a vegan diet. Mm-hmm. And from the vegan diet, I also made sure that I was going to fresh foods, yeah. what I call live foods instead yeah. of dead foods. You know, I stayed out of the the frozen section of the, <laughs> of the, uh, of the store yeah. and stuck to the outer areas where there's live foods. And, and really my my focus is on live, high-quality foods. And like you say, instead of going for sugars, I was like, well, let's eat an apple. Let's eat a peach. Yeah. Let's eat a banana. And uh, I lost 70 pounds. What was it? In like three months. I mean, I just had pounds falling off me, two to three pounds a day. Yeah. And um, and it was a real testament to how poisonous our food was. At least that's what I, I called it, that our food was is poison. And when you look at the high rates of diabetes and cancer that we have now and all this sort of stuff that's out of control, it really goes back to uh, our food. And and I, I remember watching the movie, I think it was Food Incorporated, and there's a few other movies that are out there that talk about the food issues that we have and you know the high corn syrup issues and and stuff like that and and some people you know they play victim and they go oh you know they, they sell this to me no you don't have to buy the package of oreos yeah. you can just say no and you can go to the produce section well, and- well, ironically consuming foods like oreos makes you almost need foods like oreos and and so this is you know it, it is really difficult people can get caught in a cycle where the the foods create their own cravings that can be so intense that it's like impossible to resist them. This is by design. A lot of the foods are designed to be like that. Let me tell you a really interesting story. So one of my wife's businesses we have called experiences. So we'll go someplace for a week. We invite a bunch of people, you know, a bunch like, you know, six people, eight people, something like that to live. We live all in a big house in some city and we go do food, like really hardcore stuff that my wife has put together over a period of months. And so it's an intense week of just making cheese, tasting wine, doing this, doing that. It's like food all day. So we've done one. We've got two more coming up in the next two months. So that's why we're going to Europe, actually, because uh, we're doing Provence and uh, the Prosecco Hills of Italy. Um, but the first one we did was in Barcelona. So we lived in this really beautiful place in Barcelona, and it was food all day, every day for a week. We were going to the, the bakery and we had, you know, hands on with like how they make like bread with the best baker in Spain, basically. She had just won an award as the top baker in Spain right before the event. So we're eating all this bread products. And we went to a coffee tasting thing. We went to a wine tasting. And then we went tapas. And we're doing vermouth. And we're like, I mean, it was just insane the amount of food we're eating. We're always just like sort of maxing them out, out the amount. Of, we all lost like five pounds each. Wow. We were shocked. We're like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to have to. But the food quality was just as good as it gets. 
And when, so, you, when you're traveling too, you're probably moving around a lot more than you would when you're sitting around at home watching TV. Yeah, I mean, we weren't doing that much exercise. There was a little bit of little bit of walking and stuff. Probably mm-hmm. less exercise than normal. The the, the, the weight loss was all because um, because we were just having the highest, very highest quality of everything. Yeah, and everything was organic. Everything was um, uh, made from scratch, farm to table. Um, and and you know that because we were going for the highest quality food, we didn't know or we weren't expecting that anybody would lose weight. We figured people gain five, 10 pounds in a week like that, you know, and, uh, pretty much everybody lost weight. It was incredible. Shocking. Yeah. And you're, you're right. You mentioned this earlier that they're, they're making food in labs now where yeah. they are basically turning us into Guinea pigs to yeah. tap into, I think it's the dopamine in our brain, the effect yeah. that it has to addict us, to yeah. get us hooked on, on this food drug that they've taken and made this algorithm of, of, ingredients that you can't even yeah. read you're like I don't, yeah. I don't know what the you know uh, yellow flavor five what is what the hell is that yeah <laughs> well here's an example um that, that i think is really really interesting so scientists have actually found that uh zero calorie artificial sweetener actually can contribute to developing diabetes yeah and this is completely counterintuitive it, it can actually cause weight gain more than a sugar uh, drink can, um, because because the this whole bill of goods we've been handed of calories are the, we're basically a gas tank. I mean, food the calories are just the energy uh, potential of what we take in, and then the energy that we burn, and then whatever's left over that's the weight gain or whatever. Um, that is simply not the case. Um, we we can mess up or improve our metabolism in a wide variety of ways. Our gut microbes is a whole new world of scientific inquiry that they're discovering. This almost everything is related to our gut microbes, and so it all, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they haven't discovered anything. They've just barely started discovering the gut microbe thing. But the, at the end of the day, here's what they're they're, they're going to discover: uh, whole natural uh, foods uh, that have the least amount of human intervention and uh, and all that kind of stuff. Are going to be best for you variety is very good fresh seasonal foods is better um on and on and on so it's like you don't have to wait to for for, for all the science to come in um the, the thing to do is to just always be gravitating to the highest quality freshest seasonal uh foods you can uh and that will give you a big advantage in overcoming any sort of addictions or cravings and all that kind of stuff as well so um and there's all kinds of tips so here let me give you a tip uh, Chris, that um, will, will trigger uh, weight loss or slow weight gain in literally anyone. So on the Spartan diet, one of the things we encourage people to do is always drink a big full glass of water um, before you do, uh, before or after you do anything. So the most important one is right before you eat any food at all, you chug a glass of water. In my case, sometimes I'll chug two. Okay. One of the things that does immediately is it cuts your hunger down to less than half. Just yeah. for water. Yeah. So you're starving. Oh, I can't wait to eat. You know, we all have that feeling all the time. Well, part of that is dehydration. Part of that is you know, it's a whole bunch of things cause intense hungers and cravings. Chug some water before you eat, before you start making choices about how fast to eat, how much to eat, how all that stuff. And without even thinking about it, without trying that hard, you will automatically eat significantly less. Easy to do, 
super healthy, just a way to also stay hydrated. Um, so never eat unless you drink a glass of water before before you eat. That's it. I would recommend everybody do that, and you'll see in a few weeks that it, it actually makes a difference. And I can second your motion to witness that that is uh, an incredible thing to do. One of the blessings I got when I was losing weight was I reviewed a uh, product that's a that's a huge reverse osmosis thing, and it's got about twelve filters in it. Yeah, it's got like three UV filters. I mean, it's just that's crazy. Thing What's that? Is that behind you now? Uh, no, these are my speakers. Uh, it's downstairs. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a company called, uh, uh, escapes me right now, but people see me talk about it. But uh, it, it's actually a system, too, that generates uh, water from air. It pulls hmm. the humidity in uh, from the air and will create water. You don't even have to put water in if you don't want to. humidity in Vegas? Uh, very little. It's yeah. very little, and, and it has to work really hard to make water, but it will. It just won't make much. But I, I tend to just put water in it so they can clean it up. And and I, I got to tell you, one of the things that really helped me lose weight and why you're right about this water thing is making getting a quality of water that was reverse osmosis and super clean yeah. made water my experience with water and drinking it and my and my and my want to take and keep drinking it. Um, was was this machine and and you don't really have to buy this machine you could buy probably any reverse osmosis or something if basically i guess what i'm trying to say is if you really try and focus on getting quality of water yeah. it's going to taste better for you you're going to have a better experience i mean it's I, I, anytime i go back and drink tap water because i'm just i'm just like maybe trying to pop some vitamins or something like that i i it, tap water tastes like sewer water I mean, oh, yeah. so I, I, people are always like why do people drink bottled water tap water is fine I'm like <laughs> there are some cities where the tap water is actually quite nice. New York City is one of them. Yeah. Um, but most of the tap water I've tasted is just it's just yeah. it's horrible. I mean, yeah. it's undrinkable. And so, so having that good taste kind of helps your brain go whatever. You know, one of the things that helped me um, in in losing weight was I read I read uh, Pendulette's book Presto, mm -hmm. and I'm good friends with Ray uh, Cronin, who uh, Cronice, who is the uh, guy he refers to as Cray Ray in there. And um, one of the things that Cray Ray talks about is resetting your palate. And our problem is we're addicted to all this high sugar, you know, Oreos and Hostess Twinkies. And yeah. our tongue and our, and our palates are so addicted to this crap. And so what he does, he, he puts you on a two-week diet where you pretty much just eat potatoes or something starchy. You can do beans. You do anything. But yeah. basically, you get away from the sugar and you just go to this thing. And what it does is it magically resets your palate. And so then when you go back to bananas and oranges and, and stuff, the flavors just pop out and they set off that dopamine in your brain again. Yeah. And the problem is we're eating this high sugar, high fructose corn syrup crap that produce and, and apples and oranges can't compete with. And we're like, this is just his, you live on the sugar high and, yeah. and then you have the sugar crashes and you just live this life of going up and down. I remember I used to live on Rolaids. I mean, I would pop two or three Rolaids a night. Sometimes I get up in the middle of the night to take some more Rolaids. Yeah. And once I went to an all fresh food, high quality diet, like you've talked about, I, I went, I went in the bathroom one time after six months and I went, what is this? Oh my God, it's the Rolaids bottle. I haven't seen you in six months. And it just makes such a difference. I've got one of the other things I invested in. Well, actually, I reviewed this product, but this is kind mm -hmm. of an investment when it comes down to it, mm -hmm. is a really good cooler system for my water. So my water's in there from my 
from my system downstairs. Yeah. And this thing will keep the water cool for 24 hours. And so this is part of my strategy, yeah. you know, doing what you said, Thank keep you. water yeah. around, keep drinking it. I've got it sitting right here. You've seen me drink it sometimes mm-hmm. to the show. And I'm one of those. The other thing is too, is, is hacking your brain. I'm one of those, uh, uh, I forget what it's called. I'm a nervous person. So I'll sit and drink whatever's in front of me. If you put a vodka in front of me, I'll get drunk. Yeah. If you put a thing of water in front of me, I'll drink the water. Whatever's in front of me, that you know, there's there's kind of this tick I have. And so learning to just always keep water within reach helps, you know, hack my brain. And keep yeah. Healthy. yeah. So it's really good. So everyone check out the Spartan diet. Yeah. I guess. That's yeah, awesome, you'll man. You'll love it. Yeah. And 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 there's also a newsletter that has uh, uh, every episode has a recipe, so um, it's, a, it's a free newsletter. So you can I've seen it. your wife's food. I, I got to sign up for that newsletter for sure. Yeah, she's genius. <laughs> and I might be interested in. I don't. Know, I have to figure out a way to travel with the dogs. But one of these days, I'd probably like to go on those jaunts you guys are putting together with groups yeah. of people because. Uh, you know, I definitely like to learn and have some handholding on stuff. So you do you post it. those on Facebook when you announce them? Yes, uh, you'll see them on Facebook. Also, uh, gastronomed.net um, is our website, and you can see experiences. It's one of the tabs. You can see those there. And, and all the ones listening, you can go and get all the details and sign up there. Um, I would recommend that. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to have you along, and it, I think it would be fantastic. Um, we got some coming up in Morocco, Mexico City. We're going to do Provence and, and Prosecco Hills again next year. Probably do one in Sonoma. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a whole bunch of other places we, we want to do. We'll do one in Georgia eventually. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I love doing different stuff and learning about stuff. Uh, when I first moved to Vegas, there was uh, uh, some Chinese uh, investors that wanted to start a mortgage company. So I went to work with them and to build a mortgage company. And they used to love to take me down to their local Chinese restaurant that's very authentic in Chinatown here in Las Vegas. And they they had a lot of fun putting foods in front of Chris to see what Chris would eat. And then yeah. later they'd tell me what it was. It's like, those are frog legs, Chris. Um, and it was interesting to see just the ways they prepare their meal. I remember one time the Chinese, one of my Chinese investors, he got angry with the waiter because uh, evidently there's some way they have that they cook a certain sort of fish. And when they cook it, it has to be alive. And and to get, a, I guess, a certain flavor, texture, and, and temperature or whatever. And he could tell that the, that the fish had been dead before they had cooked it. Mm. And he, you know, he's angry. He's like, this, this was dead before, you know, and, and I'm like, wow, I mean, that's like, why do people do that that way? And, you know, he explained it and it was just such an adventure and stuff. And so I see a lot of that in your different stuff and I, I've got to read your book because it's yeah. got, just got to be awesome. I, I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Sounds good, Mike. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show. Give us your plugs once again so people can look those up and yeah. uh, take and get a hold of your book. I and mean, the best thing you can go to Elgin.com. Elgin.com is just, everything is on that front page. You'll see you'll see links to everything else. Uh, if you want to go straight past go uh, and uh, just check out Elgin.com slash everything. And that's uh, RSS feeds, newsletters, all the rest. And um, recommend that people check it out. Everything is free. And uh, yeah, whatever your interests are, food, tech, whatever it is. Uh, before we go, though, I want to I want to point out that um, I'm using a Pixel Book. Uh, just arrived in the mail half an hour before I did this show. Uh, I was telling Chris before the show, and uh, I opened it up. I logged in. I opened Hangouts and started doing the show, and it's uh, fantastic. 
this is the camera built into the Pixel Book. It's pretty good, um, and uh, just it's just uh, it's, I'm so happy with this device already. So. Yeah, they they've been doing some great things with the with the uh, Google Books and uh, the notebooks that they take and make. Uh, we reviewed a bunch of them. Um, you know, I mean, I use Gmail for everything and, and Google products for everything. In fact, every time I buy an iPhone, the first thing I do is download yeah. <laughs> Google stuff, which is kind yeah. of funny. Oh, totally. Well, let me let me tell you the, the the kookiest thing about this. So this is the Google Pixel Pen, right? It's a stylus. Oh. It has a single button on it. I'm going to put that up there so you can see the button. When you press that button and hold it and circle anything on the screen, Google Assistant pops up and tells you what that thing is that you circled. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's amazing. It's the coolest thing. So can you use that as a mouse too? Like you can just sit and... It's a pointing device. It's a, you can use it for drawing, for writing, handwriting recognition, uh, all that stuff. But what's really kooky, I think, is, the, is the, its integration with Google Assistant. Well, simply, uh, you know recognize people, recognize dog breeds, whatever. You, you can just go to Google uh, image search and you're like, what the hell is that? Just circle it, pops up and says, oh, that's a blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Pretty amazing uh, uh, AI behind that. And uh, it's all, all starts. <laughs> it's just amazing what they're taking and doing with computers. And I, I've noticed that when you work around the world, I think a lot of times, I think you're on an iPad. Um, I, I, was and I've now replaced. I'm just what the whole purpose of this is. I'm replacing my iPad and my MacBook Pro, both of which are in flawless condition, uh, with this device, which is you know it's it's this thick when it's folded closed. It the hinge goes all the way around, becomes a tablet. Uh, it, it's it's a laptop and it's a a, a tablet uh, in one. There are advantages and disadvantages with the with the Apple devices, but one of the big advantages of this is it's a lot less hardware. It's a lot less weight. It's a single device, and I tend to live in Chrome anyway with Chrome extensions and Chrome bookmarks and stuff. That's kind of where I spend almost all my time. So uh, it's it's like it's like twice as fast on a Pixelbook as it is on a MacBook Pro to use Chrome. That's awesome, and it's probably 10 times cheaper. Yeah, uh, no, not the Pixelbook. <laughs> Most Chromebooks are very inexpensive. I spend 2K on this thing. But, um, oh, okay. Yeah, this is 16. That's probably still cheaper than a MacBook, isn't it? I don't know. Uh, well, it's, it's, buy MacBooks. They're, half of them are more expensive than that, and half of them are cheaper than that. Yeah. I think the cheapest MacBook Pro is probably like $1,200, bucks, $1,300, bucks, something yeah. like that. Yeah. I always giggle because all my friends are always down at uh, the Genius Store fixing their their Mac products. Yeah, yeah. No, they're, they're, they're great products. I mean, they, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with them. The sound quality on, a, yeah. on, a, on an iPad, for example, is far better than than this device uh there are multiple things uh, probably the camera's better as well this camera's good enough i think uh but probably not as good as you find in a macbook pro but you know having everything in the cloud i just absolutely love that and i love some of the other uh goodies that that come along with the pixel book I, I just think it's fantastic and it maximizes your freedom and being able to not have all this stuff you have to carry around as well too and it's instantaneous you open it up and you're like you're going already Cool. Well, everyone, check out Mike's book, Gastronomad. Gastronom. Gastronomad. 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 I'll get that one. Yeah. <laughs> the art of living everywhere and eating everywhere with Mike. And uh, I love having you on the show, Mike. We'll love to have you back in the future. Everyone, Thanks go check out me. his stuff. Yeah. Sorry, but it's just a difficult uh, fish fish to catch here. Uh, I've, I've made it very difficult for you, and uh, and I appreciate your patience. No, I have made it difficult for you, too. I know we missed one thing, so I appreciate your patience as well. And it's wonderful to get to actually kind of meet you, not yeah. in real life, but close enough. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and we'll look forward to that moment when it comes. So everyone, go download his book or get his book from Amazon.com. Be sure to check out his website as well for the diet. Uh, be sure to tell your friends, neighbors, relatives, refer people to the show. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, go to Google Play. Go to iTunes. You can subscribe there. You can also go to YouTube.com forward slash Chris Voss. Hit that bell notification. We, of course, have a great podcast for the Chris Voss Show. We have new videos going up. They're kind of like vlog videos of the Siberian Husky puppy, Rocky Raccoon. And if uh, if the cuteness isn't blinding and painful enough, it's just so cute. You just can't stand it. It hurts. Um, we also have the reviews of all the great products from the Chris Voss Show as well. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, people, and we'll see you guys next time.